Here's your host, Alex Garrett. All right, guys, uh, you're catching me at Alex Garrett Podcasting on a fired up, fired up feeling because I just read the Congressional Budget Office's full report. Like I saw the important parts of this report about this, you know, three and a half trillion dollar infrastructure plan that setting the president's desk that voters are worried now about getting middle class taxes that Republicans say is a okay to have $415 billion in discretionary spending, whatever that means for the American person. But I, I save my rant for that for later because we've got a couple of things to talk about before then. As important as that is, in this very state of New York, I would say this moment is dominating the headlines because if you didn't know already, Andrew Cuomo is no mo the governor in 13 days from now. The best way I can help now is if I step aside. Yeah, good old Sarah Brightman and Aaron Andrea Bocelli. Time to say goodbye, Governor Cuomo. And I didn't really get into this last time we talked about this with Zach Williams. I got into a little bit above it. But I kind of lost interest in him the minute he said, let's cut the games for the physically challenged out of the state budget. And guess what? They can find their own way. That's basically what he told the games for physically challenged. And luckily, before his craziness, uh, former Nassau County executive Ed Mangano found a way to keep the games for the physically challenged alive. We're now called the Nassau County Victory Challenge. But that was one of Governor Cuomo's first acts. He, He's not former yet, by the way, because he's got 13 days till he's officially done. But you wonder what led to this resignation. I think it was Melissa DeRosa resigning, his treasured secretary and hench person, I think it was, I think you'd say. I mean, she was out there telling Democrats, you know, yeah, we, we kind of fudged the numbers thing and no one would know that they said that about the nursing home death. And, and by the way, let me set the record straight on this. For those who say this has nothing to do with the nursing homes, that's a lot. This does have to do with the nursing home deaths because a lot of these allegations came out after Letitia James, the Attorney General's uh, report about how badly covered up Governor Cuomo had done with the nursing homes. That that That's where that started. I mean, you like it or not, that that's just the truth. So the nursing home deaths were a part of this. Now, Biden's DOJ may have dropped it, but I know the FBI is still investigating that, and they're just investigating these claims. I mean, it's it's a bad way for Governor Cuomo. So he almost had no choice but to resign, and I wondered if there were some documents that were going to be sent to the impeachment probe that were not going to be favorable to the governor as well. That, that's my theory. But personally, I, I took that axing of... The game's physically challenged as the first salvo Governor Cuomo did when he was in office. And I never forgave him for that. I didn't forgive him for locking down businesses when it was nice and sunny out and people needed to be outside. I I won't forgive him for that. I won't forgive him for the sexual harassment. And there's so much other stuff I wouldn't forgive him for. 
and pretty soon he won't be a headache in the Empire State. And maybe, just maybe, we can clean up Albany. Maybe Cuomo... And by the way, I had called. If you check my Instagram, AlexGNYC1. I kind of called this. On March 1st, I believe this is when one of the reports came out, either about the harassment or about the nursing homes. I said, imagine if Cuomo has to resign. March 1st, 2021. It's on record. I ought to buy a lottery ticket after that one. But I just... I just couldn't believe how swift it was that he resigned. But he's resigned. We'll be taking leave of office on uh, about 14 days from yesterday. So that's going to be 25th of August. Lieutenant Governor Kathy Hochul steps in. And maybe this is the stepping in of a cleaner Albany. By the way, it poured yesterday. It poured in Manhattan. And I'm like, man. If God's not washing away the years of Andrew Cuomo right now, I don't know what this is about. But it was meant to pour, to wash us from this stain that was the Governor Cuomo governorship. And I do believe his father, former Governor Mario Cuomo, would be devastated and probably is devastated watching from above. As is his mother, Matilda, probably very devastated about what's going on with her son. You know, her. she she even told her son, and, and Cuomo admits this, that she didn't understand, didn't understand why she couldn't see her son for Thanksgiving. And that to me was a sign like, yeah, Governor Cuomo, it, it's not because you're doing the right thing. It's because she just doesn't get why you don't want to see her on Thanksgiving. Even if it wasn't a pandemic, you could do it safely. For goodness sake, you went to Georgia, okay? You went to Georgia, you went to other places while telling everybody in New York to stay where they are. Let's not forget that either. But you couldn't go see your mother for Thanksgiving? Oh, and you were going to jet out and do something else? Or you were actually going to have her fly or something like that to where people were reacting? That's why you backtracked? All of this was fumbled, Governor Cuomo. Whether you like to hear that or not, this was coming. It would be on the sexual harassment because that's sort of the times we live in. But at the end of the day, I know that the nursing home scandal was a catalyst for this. You can't make five, $5 million on a book while covering up nursing home deaths, real deaths, and think you're going to get away with that. You can't be stiff-arming you know, an assemblyman from Queens here, Ron Kim, and think you're going to get away with stuff like that. You totally had this coming, Governor Cuomo. And I will say that all the time till you actually leave office. You had this coming. Whether you and your fan base or whatever didn't see it coming, you had it coming. You had it coming. And I hope what's coming next for the New York, the beautiful state of New York, is that return to beauty. That return to let's have civility. Let's have businesses open. Let's run this state the way it's supposed to be run responsibly. That's all I'm asking for. And that's all Governor Cuomo could not deliver on. All we asked was for responsible leadership on this. And all we got 
were cover-ups, gropings. And the, an attorney general that found her voice against the most powerful man in America at one point, Governor Andrew Cuomo. And I am very intrigued that Letitia James did speak up against him with this report. And the chips are going to fall where they may the rest of the way for him. But for now, for now, God bless it. God bless the way the universe is working right now. Because this is karma. And he's facing a big dose of it. And this will be justice for the, not only the women, but for those like Janice Dean who fought the nursing home scandal tooth and nail. And other families devastated that their family members in the nursing home lost their lives as this guy's on a book tour. There is a justice in this. And some might say it's sad. I say I'm not dealing with feelings on this one. This had to be done. And you know what they say. God says thy will be done. I believe thy will is being done from above right now. Listen, up next, we got another story to talk about because the governor's resignation isn't all we got in this very abbreviated episode of Alex Garrett Podcasting. We got to talk about what's going on with the Taliban. They're seizing land in Afghanistan as we're heading out of there. Is this troubling? Do we let it be dog-eat-dog over there? Do we have to stay and stabilize? Jason Van Camp, a Green Beret and chairman of the Six Zero Mission, Six Zero Mission, joins me next on Alex Garrett Podcasting. We'll be right back. Continuing this very fast-paced edition of Alex Garrett Podcasting tonight, I want to switch to a topic that I do believe the Cuomo resignation has overshadowed big time. And that is that the U.S. intel are worried that the Taliban are on their way to capture Kabul. And now the question, there are so many questions, and I want to get to my military-minded friend. He's been in the military. He served three tours in Iraq, and he started chair, uh, Mission 6-0. You might have met him before. Jason Van Camp, welcome back. Alex, thanks for having me back. It's great to be on here. I'm your correspondent for all things military, huh? Well, yes, yeah, so you are. You are definitely a, a man that, that can help me out with this because you were in Iraq. <laughs> and, and I want to start there. Everybody criticized the move to leave Iraq. What was very early. And are you seeing a pattern here with Afghanistan? Yeah, you know, I, I am. So in Iraq, when we, when we left, there was a, a director of the CIA, a group that was there that we partnered with on, on certain things. And and I asked him his opinion on, on what would happen, you know, and he he told me, like, as soon as we leave, the um, al-Qaeda forces, you know, the, the ISIS forces, all, all of those enemy forces would be basically rushing up to the, the tarmac, throwing rocks at our planes, and then claiming that they defeated us. And we kind of saw that after we left. Meaning, you know, the, the area that I was in that I believe I affected the most and helped the most and really cleared out this, this area and established a foothold was uh, northeastern uh, section uh, of Baghdad. So this sort of area, rural sort of area near Iran. And we had, you know, 
fought and bled, you know, exposed our hearts in this area, really tried to help the people, really cared about them, really tried to liberate them, liberate them from their oppression. And, uh, and they believed us, you know, and they, they did what we asked them to do. And we completely eradicated al-Qaeda forces from that area. And when we left, ISIS had um, begun to establish, you know, uh, an organization. And then they came in right to the location that we just left with their vehicles and their weapons and their Sharia law. And they overran everything that we had established. And it was really disheartening to see that on the news. I mean, we are watching... Fox News and CNN seeing these enemy forces rolling down the roads that we had once patrolled and secured. And so for me and my team, it was like, man, what did we do? Was this all worth it? Like everything that we sacrificed were seen destroyed in real time. And it was a tremendous gut punch. Now, since that time, the Iraqi forces, we were able to, you know, recapture and kind of re-solidify those locations, which is, you know, huge for us and we're seeing the same thing in Afghanistan right now. You know, um, we made a pact to withdraw by September 11th. And now we've moved that up to August 31st. Okay, great. You know, all military operations against the Taliban will cease. That's the goal. And all the, the NATO troops also are going to have withdrawn by that time as well. And so the Afghan uh, or the Taliban, they're seeing this and they're like, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to throw rocks at their airplanes as they leave the time back and we're going to claim that we won. And we're going to put uh, our, our flag up, and we're going to pronounce ourselves as a victor, right? I think we've done more than enough to empower the Afghan police and military to secure the future of their people, their, their location. Well, that's my next question. Never... I, I, how come is how come these towns seem very dependent on you guys? Isn't the whole idea to stabilize the region and then they become independent and not need your your our help? That's exactly what we tried to do, and we've been doing this for twenty years, right? People that are in the military and the police right now in Afghanistan weren't even alive. Some of them weren't even alive when, when the September 11th attacks occurred in New York City, when we entered their country. So they don't know a country without occupying forces, without the United States and, and NATO and, you know, mission forces. They, they've never seen that before. And so, you know, we've taken the training wheels off, you know, and we've seen them in action. and They've done a good job. And now it's time to really step up. And I'm sure that they're trying to figure out their way right now and, you know, trying to figure out what we can do for them and what they need to do for themselves. But the enemy is well-trained. It's, it's has a tremendous amount of passion, right? They've been fighting us for 20 years, so they're battle-hardened, you know? And so that's kind of what we're up against, you know, an experienced group of people that want to defeat, you know, uh, United States and NATO forces, and they want to defeat the Afghan uh, police and military. And we've got a group of people that, you know, relied on us for so long to do a lot of things. And now, you know, we've taken the training wheels off and we're like, now it's your turn. Figure it out. Go for it. Now it's your time to step up. And we're seeing some of them step up and some of them not. Well, eight provinces have been taken over in the last week, which is just mind blowing how quickly the Taliban have acted here. I mean, I feel like we're in this 20-year cycle now where we're talking about the Taliban again. That was a trigger word back then, and it is now. But but differently, we now know, you know, when Saddam Hussein was hung, things became more volatile there, very, you know, very hostile there. And so the question then becomes, 
Do we let them just eat themselves alive and hope that that doesn't come here? Or do we have to keep our guys there to keep them from coming here? Like, is the doggy dog world going on there better for us that they don't come over here? What's your thought on that? It's better for us to have a stable and secure Afghanistan. That's the, that's the bottom line, you know. And if we can continue, we should continue to support the government there in Afghanistan, whether it's, you know, through drone strikes and air strikes and things like that, then that's great. I don't think we should ever go back to having boots on the ground there or in mass, that is, you know, like we like we've had before. But these guys really need to step up and, and, and do what we train them to do. You know, and listen, the Taliban, they're going to make gains on the battlefield right now. You know, that's their goal. We need to quickly support the government in Afghanistan to stop them, you know. And if we withdraw our support completely, then they're going to lose hope, morale is going to suffer, and the Taliban will be given a boon to to take more uh, cities on the field, right? Uh, Jason, the Taliban, I think – go ahead. Oh, no, well, you are a Green Beret as well, if I'm not mistaken, but – as we're talking about all this, I'm just thinking stateside, all that the news is about the military is the mandated vaccines. And I feel like that's a distraction from what's really going on. So are you frustrated that that's the talk from the military and not that they want to defend uh, their turf in Afghanistan? Well, I mean, there's uh, a few narratives. You know, there's the, the vaccine, the anti-vaxxers, there's all that going on. And there's stuff going on in Afghanistan with the Taliban so I don't think that they're trying to focus on one rather than the other. I just think that there's a lot of stuff going on that people are really concerned about and passionate about, right? The Taliban stuff is important. I mean, you don't want to feel like, especially as a country, 20 years uh, that we've spent, you know, lives of our soldiers, you know, money spent, equipment, tools, training, time has all been for waste. It's all been for naught. You know, it's all been a waste. We can't allow that to happen. The vaccine stuff, right? You know, you're a soldier in the military. I was. And if my commander, you know, my chain of command said, go get the vaccine, I would do it. You know, we go to, uh, before we deploy, we sit down and we get like 10, 15, sometimes, you know, X amount of shots all in one sitting. And you're like, well, what's this for? Oh, this is smallpox, this is anthrax, this is whatever. You don't know what you're getting and you're just getting it. And you're trusting that people um, have your best interests at heart, right? And you got to think about it like you're in the military. They're not going to, you know, the government's not going to sacrifice that. We're going to kill our people or, you know, uh, make our soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines, Marines, you know, suffer or, you know, hurt them in some way as they're, 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 they're our defense of the country. Like, I don't think that's going to happen. So that was really a big, big boost for me to get the vaccine because of, you know, the fact that our, our military, they're all getting the vaccine as well. Well, let's talk about Mission 6-0 because that is your baby. You're the chair per, you're chairman there. How have you guys been able to be there for the soldiers at home on the front line, even with the vaccines during COVID? Well, Mission 6-0 is my baby, and it's a leadership development firm. You know, and we've had to um, change things since COVID. You know, what we a business model uh, before COVID has significantly changed since COVID occurred. And so um, we're trying to use the lessons that we've learned on the battlefield coupled with science, coupled with, you know, our, our scientific um, theories, you know, and, and uh, 
PhDs, researchers, experts that we have on my team, combine special operations with science to deliver a really powerful leadership experience to our clients. And surely, you know, we've got a lot of professional athletic teams that are clients, but we have a lot of corporate clients as well. And that's really where our focus is right now, is to help corporate America, help our country, help these civilians to understand what it takes to lead in this new environment, in this new normal, what it takes to really care about your people inspire them to be the best that they can be and establish a culture where they can excel. And that's what Mission Six Zero is all about. And I remember last time we talked, you, you said how you were a leader on, on the battlefield and now you've taken it to the home front. Yeah, I love leading. You know, really what it comes down to is serving other people, helping them become the best version of themselves. You know, that's what makes me happy. And it makes sense, too, because the happiest I've ever been is when I've been focused, when I've focused my, my attention on other people rather than focusing on myself, right? It's almost counterintuitive in a way, but, but it's true. And it's absolutely true. You help other people, and they're going to help you back, right? Just like in the military, you're, you know, if you want to get your go in training, your, 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 uh, your successful grade, you don't get it yourself. Your team gets you your go. You know, and that's the, the mindset that we have at Mission Six Zero, and, and also Warrior Rising, my nonprofit that helps veterans, returning veterans, and their immediate family members find their purpose again through business ownership. And so uh, we're helping thousands of veterans this year alone, with millions of dollars this year alone, giving away 85% of that to veterans, throwing business showers, you know, where we give veterans everything they possibly need to succeed at business. You know, we'll be in various locations across the country, you know, Las Vegas, Napa, Salt Lake City, New York City, Palm Springs, Austin, Texas, Dallas, just doing amazing things for the veteran community and hoping that they, they see what we're doing and they join the team, they join the tribe, and they, uh, and they get the assistance that they need to pull themselves up um, in the form of a, a hand up instead of a handout. Jason Van Camp, we've talked after the Army Navy game. We've talked after around Christmas time, and we we've stayed connected pretty well since I got word of your book, Deliberate Discomfort. So that's where I'm gonna sort of pivot here. How's the book doing? And again, in this pandemic, what a deliberate discomfort, literally, uh, that we've all had to go through. Oh man, seriously, the the COVID situation was the epitome of deliberate discomfort. Right, we did it, you know, and. And it's all about getting comfortable being uncomfortable, you know, choosing hard things before hard things choose you, because it's going to come either way, whether you, whether you like it or not, whether, um, whether you want to believe it or not, it's coming, you know, you might as well be proactive about it, you know, prepare for it. And, um, and that's what you do every day, man. That's what you do every day. And you were going to talk about the book as, as I was speaking. Sorry for that. Oh yeah. So my, my point is that that's what successful leaders do that's how you can adopt this growth mindset now the book was uh, published in 2020 in february and uh it became a number one amazon bestseller right away we've sold i think almost 30,000 copies which is pretty good for a first-time author like myself you know i really wanted to become a new york times bestselling author but I, we didn't make the cut um it's tough to make that cut we'll try for book number two though you know um you can find the book on amazon or wherever books are sold Deliberate discomfort, how U.S. Special Operations Forces overcome fear and dare to win by getting comfortable being uncomfortable. Fantastic book. It's uh, 
think 4.9 stars on Amazon right now, uh, about 500 reviews. So pretty happy about it. And um, change the curriculum, change everything we teach at Mission Six Zero. And so if, if you're interested in that, if that resonates with you, just deliberate discomfort mindset, doing hard things, then you should check us out at Mission Six Zero, all spelled out, dot com. Mission Six Zero dot com, Mission S I X Zero Z E R O dot com. Jason Van Camp, always love having you on, and let's stay in touch. Let's not lose touch as we go through the next few months here. So, always love having you, uh, sir. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for having me on the show. Hopefully, we value you out, and uh, best wishes to you and your your audience. Thank you so much. That was Jason Van Camp, author of Deliberate Discomfort, chairman of the. Deliberate uh, Chairman of Mission Six Zero, and back here on Alex Garrett podcasting. Uh, let's talk about something that also really didn't get a lot of news over the last few days. And quite frankly, I've not been really interested in talking about this because I thought it wasn't really happening in the sense of like, no way that no prices are going to go skyrocketing through the roof under Biden. That can't happen. Well, today, news came out that we have lost value in the dollar. This is very, very concerning to me because, you know, we just are passing this three point, you know, this this trillions of dollars infrastructure bill. Um, We're still seeing stimulus checks being doled out. And on top of it all, we're seeing inflation play a role. In fact, it it was shown that we have inflated uh, about 5%. 5% because supply chain disruptions uh, by the pandemic have now worked their way through the economy. Uh, And hopefully, as Fed officials are saying, that there could be a that this could be a temporary setback. I, I pray that's the case. But it's always concerning when you see that we've lost value on our dollar. And I'll give you a little more. The Congressional Budget Office, you know, that good old budget office everybody talked about when healthcare was about to be passed. Oh, what's the cost going to be for the average American? And that got highlighted because it was Trump's administration and it got highlighted because it was eradicating Obamacare, which, of course, people clung to because they believed in it. Anyway, what would the ACHA, American, AHCA, American Healthcare Act, do? That was the congressional budget's job to tell us. And everybody would react to that CBO report. But did anybody react to the CBO report? saying that this this bipartisan infrastructure plan will add $256 billion to projected deficits over the next decade. By the way, that's not an article from like, uh, you know, Breitbart or um, the Washington Examiner or Washington Times. That's an article by CNN reporting that this bill that was passed is going to add $256 billion to our deficit. And that is down a road of chaos. This is a path of chaos. And I don't know. 
what the reverse is because I think it was going to be $3.5 trillion now or something that they're passing. I mean, we can say, oh, great, both sides agree, bipartisan, but why would both sides agree to something that will screw the American taxpaying person? By the way, that's why this podcast exists. Because I saw there were things going on that the millennial and, and people my age didn't even really care about. Like this story of inflation really happening. That our dollar has lost value over the last couple months. That should scare people. But it should scare people even more that our elected leaders are A-OK with signing on to a deal that the CBO clearly says will add $256 billion to our deficit. We would decrease direct spending by $110 billion. Increase revenues by $50 billion. And whatever this means, increase discretionary spending by $415 billion. And you're telling me it's great that both sides agree on this. It's great that both sides want to spend $415 billion. I don't know where they're going to do that, how they're going to do that, what they're using it for. But you're telling me that's okay. That the fact that we're in this period of inflation, it might be temporary Federal Reserve, but you know what? At the end of the day, this infrastructure plan is going to add to it. I am mind blown that they would agree to spend $415 billion, especially conservatives, Republicans that don't like to spend a lot. Where are they uh, getting this idea that spending, that, that signing on to a deal that would cost $415 billion in discretionary spending and only raise revenues by $50 billion? Uh, where, where, where is the common sense in that? There is none. So don't let the Cuomo resignation uh, distract you from what's really going on. Don't let the deal with Kathy Hochul, don't don't let all of the gossip part of this. Yes, the resignation is a big deal. I covered that in the first part of the show. But you have to keep your eyes on what else is going on. You have to keep your eyes on that the Middle East is about to be destabilized. You have to keep your eyes on that Republicans, Republicans, they're supposed to be conservative money savers, not spenders, are agreeing to a deal that would increase discretionary spending by $415 billion. And it seems like there's nothing the American taxpayer could do right now. But just wonder how hard are we going to be hit? Just wonder how tough is this going to be? We knew uh, as as all this happening, and now the Republicans are looking to force the Democrats to raise the debt ceiling, and then voters also believe um, also believe that they're going to Biden will raise taxes on the middle class. Well, obviously, if they have to pour. $415 billion out through this bill, how are they going to cover it? How are they going to cover it? So it should infuriate you. It, you should know about this. 
and I'm sorry if you don't, that, that, that no one's really talked to you about this, but inflation is not only the issue here, you're then sending a, a bill to the president's desk, which will increase spending by $415 billion, and then some raising deficit, the deficit to $256 billion. Wow. Uh, or up to $256 billion. We, we are in the trillions already, but, but let's just add more. Let's raise the debt ceiling. Let's, again, kick the can down the road. And, and one last thing. I don't know how many people care about this because if Trump signed on to something like this, they'd be going nuts. But because Biden, everybody's happy, go lucky, whoa, we're back in a normal state, but this is not normal. This is not normal where you have Republicans siding with the Democrats to spend billions of dollars more. Normally that wouldn't be the case. Normally they'd not want to do taxes, right? Normally, you know, read my lips, no new taxes. I'm sorry the late George H.W. Bush, but that was your mantra. Yet here we are watching the Republican Party sign on to something that's going to increase our deficit uh, after an infla- a report on inflation, no less, a 5.4%. This is the next step that they want to take. This is the next step they want to take? Senate Republicans? This is the next step you want to take that uh, you're going to make a big deal about inflation? Okay, yes, we're at 5.4%. But don't add to it by agreeing with the (laughs) trillions of dollar packages. That's just crazy. (laughs) But so be it. We're just going to talk about it. I I did not want to talk politics anymore. But this is is becoming uh, more of why I I started this podcast. Because I want you to hear the situation at hand. That I want to do things that are not trending but should be. And the CBO telling us that this bill that they are signing on to, and they all love to say bipartisanship, bipartisanship, my you-know-what. It's a bipartisan effort to screw the American people. That's what this infrastructure plan is. And the Congressional Budget Office is not mincing their words about it. I'm Alex Garrett. And, you know, we're always adapting to all this stuff, but we're always trying to fight it because that's speaking things into existence. I had called Governor Cuomo's resignation in March, and it happened. Maybe there'll be some weird reversal of this bill after this podcast is posted. I don't know, but stay with us. Alex Garrett Podcasting, we're always adapting, and we've got to adapt even more so now with this infrastructure bill going through the roof. Insane. Absolutely insane. We'll talk to you soon on Alex Garrett Podcasting. As always, hit the subscribe button. As always, uh, give us a like. As always, hit the follow button on the podcast. And thanks for continuing to stop by. We'll talk to you soon on Alex Garrett Podcasting.